Good morning. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, this morning. The, the covenant that we have just uh, shared with one another, the, the Lord's Prayer that we've prayed together, remind us that the church is a living body. It's a, it's a living structure. And Christ is at the foundation of it. We completed our, our study of Acts last Sunday. And so for the next four weeks, uh, as we move from now to the start of Advent, can you believe Advent is four weeks away? We are going to take some time to think about who we are as that living church, that living structure, and how God is building us up, how God might strengthen us as a people and as a church. How do we grow into the months and years ahead that he is preparing? In many ways, COVID-19 has forced, I think, churches across the world, certainly churches in the United States, into a season of rebuilding. Right? We're all asking, what do we do with our existing budgets? What do we do with our buildings? What do we do with our staff and our committees and our pastors? What do we do with our ministries and our programs? How do we respond to the challenges we see unfolding in the world around us at this time? And so if, if this is indeed a season of rebuilding or reconfiguring, then I think it makes sense for us to begin this morning by starting at the foundation of things. What is at the bedrock? What sustains the church? So we think about that foundation. I'm also aware of, of data that I've been reading. Uh, there was a, a survey recently by the Barna Group, I believe, that, that suggested by the end of 2021, as many as one in five churches in the United States fears they may close their doors permanently. Uh, because of the events of this year. Right, that's a sobering statistic. It's a stormy time right now to hold the people of God, the people of faith, together. But I think we also have an opportunity in a storm, in a season of challenge and difficulty. Those seasons present us with a chance to see what can weather the storm. Back in September, I took a morning uh, off and I, I went over to Mount Mansfield for a prayer walk, a prayer hike. And I was by myself that morning and as I was hiking up the mountain, I was praying God to, to God to, to sort of both be refreshed and renewed, but also to have a sense of what this particular season of ministry is about. What's going on with the church and with the world? And at about 45 minutes, maybe an hour into the hike, I got to that part of Mansfield where you, you clear the forest and you're above the tree line. And just before I got to that point, there was a woman hiking down the mountain from the summit, and she said, be careful up there. She said, the winds are unbelievable today. And she said, I almost got knocked over several times. Right? Take your time. Be careful. And so once I got you know, a few hundred feet above uh, the tree line, I decided rather than to go onto the summit, I would just look 
for a place to sit and to pray. And I found this, this little cleft of rock on either side uh, and, and sat down. And I, I took a little video from, from that morning. I don't know if it'll work, but we'll try here. See if this, we can get this to play. Is that, it's not going to go. All right. Well, if you could, could see the video, you know, the, the bushes there, the small trees are, are sort of being bent by the wind. I don't know how, how fast the wind was, maybe 60, 70 miles an hour up, up that high. But as I sat there, I could sense two sort of contradictory realities or opposing realities. On the one hand, there was the intensity of the wind. There were storm clouds blowing in behind it. And that, that made me feel sort of threatened, right, insecure, unstable. But then there was also the sense of safety and security in this little pocket of rock that I had sat down into, the cleft of a rock. And in that spot, as I prayed about what was going on in my own spirit, as I began to pray about the church and what was happening here, I felt that in this whirlwind season of ministry, God was saying, even in this time, I'm holding the church fast. I'm holding you fast. And I'm, I'm growing, I'm, I'm deepening not only your faith and your resiliency, but that of the church as well. He reminded me that he is like that living rock, right? He's not moving. And he offers to hide us in himself. He is the, the stone upon which our lives, our faith, and our church is built. In Matthew's gospel, starting in the fifth chapter, we're told that Jesus takes a hike up a mountain. Probably not quite this high, next to the Sea of Galilee. But from that place on, on the top of the hill or mountain, Jesus gathers his disciples and he proceeds to unfold for them the ways of life in his kingdom. We get three chapters of teaching there, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. It's what we've come to call the Sermon on the Mount. But at the end of that section of teaching, Jesus, in, in almost every gospel that tells of, of these teachings, they conclude with a story. Jesus wanted to finish this block of teaching with a, with a living story. And it's a story about building a house. It's actually about different strategies for building a house. And as we think about what it, what it looks like to be rebuilt, to be built up during this season as a community at JCC, I want to begin, as Jesus does here, by thinking carefully about our foundation. What lies underneath? Let me pray for us as we turn to that parable in Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. Lord, you said to the prophet Jeremiah that there are seasons for tearing down and also seasons for building up. Lord, I pray that even as things are torn down, taken away, stripped or pruned, for us, that we would also sense what you are building up in our midst. Lord, would you be our cornerstone? Would you be a rock of steadfast strength? Lord, give us ears to hear your word. Lord, may my 
words, my mouth, as I, as I preach this morning, may all of our hearts prove to be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray and we hope this morning. Amen. This is the way Jesus concludes his sermon on the mount. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Let me invite our kids this morning, or kids who are watching at home. I know we didn't do a children's message because it's, uh, it's a Lord's Supper Sunday. But as you're listening, let me invite you. There, there are two pictures being presented here, two different homes, two different builders. Maybe you could sketch those out as you listen and then show them to me outside after church or show them to your family. Right? What, what kinds of building is taking place in this parable? I think Jesus is telling us that this is a story about foundations that last. How do we dig a foundation that will be steadfast? And the first thing Jesus says is that in order to have the foundation we desire, we have to be a people who know how to hear, how to listen. Discipleship, Jesus says, starts by opening our ears to what he says. And I think there's a way in this parable that the hearing is akin, at least to the initial work, of digging. Maybe we think of hearing as, as a passive activity. But I think the kind of hearing Jesus is talking about here and throughout the Gospels is a conscious choice. Think about the crowds who listened to Jesus. Right? They didn't just get Jesus on TV or the radio. Right? They had to go to where Jesus was. They had to follow him up whatever mountain he was hiking that day, whatever side of the lake he decided to, to set up shop on. Right? They invest time and energy first just to hear what Jesus is saying to them. Even more so, the 12 that Jesus calls to himself, right, they leave behind vocations and livelihoods to expand the, their ability to, to hear and be present to the teaching of Jesus. My question is, how invested are we as a people in hearing Jesus? And by that, I mean, what practices do you have? What do you do today and tomorrow and throughout the week to hear, not, not just what I say up here in the pulpit on a Sunday morning, but to hear the living, the distinctive voice of Jesus, his Holy Spirit speaking to you, challenging you, encouraging you? Do you have a space? Do you have a practice? Do you have an investment in hearing? It's those first few shovelfuls of digging down to that foundation we desire. 
And if your honest answer to that question is not, not really, then let me challenge you, do something about it. Make a conscious choice. Find a space to listen to the Word of God. Take one teaching. Take one part of the Sermon on the Mount. Take one parable. Sit with it. Right? Sit with it all week if you need to. Meditate upon it. Right? Hear the Word of God to you. You can't follow. We can't be a people that belong to Jesus if we don't know what He says. We need to hear Him. But in this, in this parable, Jesus says hearing is actually only the first step toward discipleship. The, the first step toward the foundation we desire. He says once we hear though, once we register his words in our minds, whether we even have them sort of registering at a, an emotional level in our persons, we still have a choice to make, Jesus says. What do we do with the word he has spoken? How do we connect our hearing with our doing, Jesus asks. Hearing and doing are two different things. Years ago, Katie and I bought a set of DVDs called P90X. Anybody ever buy those, those DVDs or watch them? Yeah, they, they sound great, right? You've got these personal trainers. They're all hyped up. There's like 60 or 90 minute workouts. And you think, if I just do this every day, even once or twice a week, I'm going to be in like freakishly good shape, right? Well, it takes more than buying the DVDs, right? I think we bought those like eight years ago. And you know what I did with all the information? I don't know how many. There were like ten discs on that, on that DVD set. I've done absolutely nothing. I think I did three workouts before I gave up, put them back on the shelf. Why? Well, I suspect it's because those workouts were a lot harder than I wanted them to be. It was, it was difficult to follow through on, on what I heard or, or received or even purchased. But I think that's, that's human nature. But Jesus pushes us beyond that. He says in order to have a lasting foundation, one that holds hearing and doing together, we should prepare ourselves for some dirty, sweaty digging. Right? Discipleship, hearing and then obeying and living the word of God is hard work. It's a grace to us, but it's one we have to give ourselves to. Right? Discipleship is, is like digging all the way down to what Vermonters call ledge. Right? You've got to get down to the bedrock, Jesus says. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially if you don't have backhoes or bulldozers. Biblical scholar uh, Kenneth Bailey, who specializes in the parables, he says, this is, this is what I think the, the first century audience would have imagined when they heard this parable. Right? They would have imagined someone building a home in the summer there in Palestine. And one of those builders with, with little imagination or wisdom... He's thinking, I could build an adequate one-level house on hard clay, right? It's summertime. He would get out his pickaxe, and he would begin to, to try to dig into that summer clay. And the, the ground at that time would be like bronze to him. He says to himself, the walls, they're not going to be more than seven feet high. It's hot. 
The idea of long, back-breaking days of work under a hot, cloudless sky do not appeal to him. And so he, he rationalizes. The underlying rock is down there somewhere. Right? It'll, it'll all work out. Anyone sympathize with that approach? Right? The shortcut. Right? Why not simply settle for things the way they already are? Or for us, as long as we have Jesus' words close at hand, as long as we know what he says, we have our Bible somewhere, isn't that enough for us? Is that enough for a foundation of God's people? Jesus says real discipleship, though, is moving beyond the easy but shaky status quo. And God instead delights in the moments when we invite him to make deep change in us, to turn over hard soil, to make hard changes, to be reconfigured not just as individuals, but as families and then as a church body. He wants to, to make those deep changes in us because as verses 25 and then again in 27 point out, eventually what we build is going to face some pretty stiff testing. Jesus says, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And Jesus wants us to know and to ask, have we evaluated whether our foundation will withstand the storm? Notice what Jesus isn't saying in this parable. He doesn't say, the wise man who hears my word and obeys it can expect blue skies. Cloudless weather. That's not the promise Jesus makes. In fact, he says, both the disciple and the foolish man should expect the rain to fall, the flood to come, the wind to blow. Even the most righteous disciple should expect a year like 2020 and maybe more to come. Who knows? I would venture to guess that all of us have encountered some storminess this year. Some of you I, I know directly your stories of anxiety, or fear, or suffering. There have been jobs that have been lost. There are marriages that have been under tension and stress. There are worries about the future. There are many of us that feel the sort of polarization outside in our world at a deeply personal level within us. And it's not hard then to identify with the homeowner in this parable and wonder whether our house is actually going to, to withstand, to come through the storm in a single piece. But Jesus says that it is the stormiest seasons that have power to reveal, right? To reveal what is, in fact, stronger than the storm around us. Look at the second half of verse 25. We're told that the house that's built on the rock survives because of its foundation. The life of a disciple, then, is not one spent avoiding pain 
The life of discipleship is not trying to forecast the weather and make different preparations or, or go to a different place. It's not about being a control freak. Right? Discipleship, Jesus says, is about settling our lives down on the foundation of one who can keep us together in the storm. Discipleship is about responding to God's initiative, God's desire to change us, to make us new, to lay new foundation. Foundation that, that reaches the rock of Christ himself. And unfortunately, Jesus says the opposite is also true. Right? Where we resist being hearers and doers, if we only hear, then we leave ourselves vulnerable. Right? A person, a family, a church who just hears God's word but does not apply it, does not live by it, does not dig down into the depths of it, Jesus says, is vulnerable to a great collapse. Look at verses 26 and 27. Those who hear my words and do not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I don't particularly like the storm we're in. It's not something I relish. But this storm is providing us with the unique gift of revealing and exposing what's there. Let me grab, I think I have a sheet that fell down. Oh, somebody got it for me. Thank you. Didn't even notice. There was a poem uh, that Peter Anderson Sr. shared in Sunday school back in probably April. This was written by a woman named Sarah Bournes from New York City. She wrote this at the end of March if you can believe it. But it's called, We've All Been Exposed. I want to share just a couple paragraphs. She says, we've all been exposed, not necessarily to the virus, but we've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides, exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible masks we wear, now exposed by paper masks we can't hide far enough behind. It is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions, leveling our best laid plans. She goes on from there. Are we willing to face what is being exposed in us? Right, the parable here speaks of, of two different kinds of builders, but I don't know that we can safely assume we're all one or all the other. Right, even among the most committed disciples, there are things that, that are being exposed that do not go down to the bedrock of Jesus and his word and obedience to it. There are places that need to be revealed and then shored up by his truth. And one of my, my growing convictions is in this present moment is the church is indeed experiencing a time of, of shaking, of 
testing, of, of blowing away anything that's not bolted down to the foundation that Jesus gives us. But the way that our faith moves into a future generation is the way of deep digging. It's the way of being, abiding, of resting, of listening, of walking with Jesus himself. Matthew gives us a, a really brief epilogue to this parable in verses 28 and 29. He tells us how the audience heard Jesus that day. It says, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as one of their scribes. Right, Jesus was no ordinary teacher. He didn't just talk about ideas or concepts. Right? What astonishes the crowds is not just what Jesus says, but that he has authority in his person, in his presence. Right? What, what Jesus says is connected to what Jesus does. Right? Jesus, the teacher, is connected to Jesus, the person, is connected to Jesus, the Son of God. The disciple and the church that has a foundation that lasts rests in and upon Jesus Christ, the person. He is bedrock. You and I can't do the, the digging work, the softening work, the, the foundation laying work except by the work and grace of Jesus in us. We need to invite Christ to excavate who we are. We need to hear him more completely. We need to obey him more completely. And so as we think about how to begin the rebuilding process of who we are, who we are as a church, we come to the table of Jesus Christ, right, where he offers us the authority, the presence, and the power for that kind of change.